0: Can you be quiet, please?
1: Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy Playbook podcast all about our tricky relationship with stuff and how to fix it. I am Ali Moore from the London Waste and Recycling Board. And as ever, I'm here with um, our chief executive, Wayne Hubbard. Hi, Wayne. Hello. So today we are talking to Kate Hand from London Councils, the organisation that represents London's boroughs. And she is the head of climate change. And we're talking about consumption-based emissions and circular economy and local government. So so why exactly are we talking to Kate then, Wayne? And what is her role in the scheme of things?
0: Well, Kate, represents or works for London Councils. Kate is the head of climate change at that organisation and it's her responsibility to try and help coordinate and create momentum towards addressing the climate emergency. And the interesting thing is, you know, I'm a great believer that cities can, can do stuff whilst governments kind of cogitate and think and talk at international conferences and take quite a long time really to to come up with coordinated answers, cities can get on with it and start doing stuff while you know nations are doing all of that um k- kind of really big global thinking we can get together and do stuff, but cities have difficulties their their political architecture is difficult if anybody knows, anybody knows anything about London I know there's a history of tension between the local, the regional, and the national, and this has played out time and time again in london's municipal history. So for waste in particular, for waste management, there are a multiplicity of organisations who do collection and disposal. Some of them are partnerships, some of them are statutory, some of them do it on their own. It's very complicated. But Kate works for the organisation that tries to coordinate that action. And then at the city level, we have the Mayor of London and the Greater London Authority, who create London-wide policies and deliver services through arm's length organisations like Transport uh, for London, the Metropolitan Police, and us. These arm's length bodies, are partnerships that are put together, they're run by boards. And the London Waste and Recycling Board is a is a kind of example of that. LWb, the London Waste and Recycling Board, was created out of this tension. The point is that cities are complicated and sometimes it's difficult to navigate to the citizen. And Kate, through her relationship with each London borough, is really key to that relationship. One of the boroughs that we mentioned is Harrow. Harrow are leading on the delivery of a target to reduce consumption-based emissions. But um, there's an organisation called the London Environment Directors Network. They have produced a joint statement with one of the committees, the statutory committees of London councils, which is the Transport and Environment Committee. And that's traditionally made up of environment portfolio holders for each borough. And they've come up with a series of programmes that they want to do. And those programmes are retrofit, low carbon development, half petrol and diesel road journeys, renewable power for London, Build the green economy, create a resilient and green economy, and uh, really interestingly for us, reduce consumption emissions. Uh, and their kind of outline target is that two thirds by 2030, which comes from the C40 report that we often talk about in this podcast. So this is how we deliver real consumption-based emissions reductions by asking Londoners to change their consumption patterns and adopt different models, which, of course, we believe should be circular economy models. So that's how it all fits in.
1: So we had a chat a couple of weeks ago with Kate about the work that is being done in London, specifically through local authorities on circular economy and consumption-based emissions and what she felt the importance of the local government role was in making it real.
2: Hi, so I'm Kate Hand. I'm the head of climate change at London Councils, which is the uh, association of the London boroughs. Yeah, so I've been in the post for about a year, mainly focused on supporting the boroughs with their climate change commitments, which are, are really significant and really ambitious across almost all of the boroughs. So we support them with coordination and governance and best practice and the kind of data and evidence that they need to achieve the right results. And also, of course, calling on the government to give them the support that they need Yes, in terms of funding, but also in terms of, you know, policy suite that's supportive and makes sense and bringing them to the table and letting them have that leadership role around a locally led green recovery and and in response to climate change.
1: That sounds like a a pretty, pretty big job to me. Quite an exciting one. What is exactly the role of local government when it comes to climate change more widely?
2: Sure, it, it is It is a big job and a really exciting one. What is the role of local government? I think, I mean, I guess I would say this, but I think it's absolutely critical to our delivery on climate change for a couple of reasons. And I don't think that's quite cemented in the kind of discourse around this yet so i think firstly you know councils are democratically elected local leaders you know they respond to what their residents say is important to them uh, and our recent polling has shown that in london 82% of londoners are concerned about climate change and that that really is across every group uh, and their level of concern is rising so it's really right that councils respond to that and as i say in london they they have and they are in terms of their you know, what the actual role is, of course, they have their own estate and they, they should be reducing their emissions from that estate to, to net zero um, by 2050, if not before. But those emissions are, to be candid, quite small. So about. 2 to 5% on average is what the Committee on Climate Change reckon. It's, it's a little bit higher where councils still own a lot of social housing, for example, but they, and they need to address those emissions uh, and they are. But I think more importantly, it's that enabling environment they can provide for their residents and for businesses in their area to help them make low carbon choices. So, you know, lots of things from the transport infrastructure that they provide, uh, although in London, of course, that's also TFL, to kind of how they support and design commercial and retail decisions like do you have a local shop where you can get groceries near to your house or do you need to drive to it to the public realm decisions they make and and the housing that they build and whether that's fit for the future there's also the piece around community engagement and and their leadership role so councillors are leaders uh, in their local area as is the rest of the council and it's you know it's right that they Walk the walk, uh, as I said, on their own emissions, but also that they they talk to and enable their their residents to to take action themselves and and show by being an exemplar what that can look like. And I think just finally, I think over the last year we've kind of moved from thinking of climate change as a as a new thing that councils do, although it's not really, because you know many councils have been doing work on this for a very long time, to much more integrated with their core mandate. So you know, councils there to protect. You know vulnerable people to support those who need adult and children 's social care to provide the development that people need to ensure that there's a, a a vibrant local economy, and all of those things are absolutely wrapped up with how we respond to climate change, so I think it's becoming much more integrated into that the kind of core role that they have
0: and that 's really interesting because that does bring into play this concept of a just transition and not leaving people behind, and also in relation to citizens and what they can do directly. I wonder if you could tell us how you're thinking about the role that consumption-based emissions can play.
2: Sure. Yeah. And, and you are absolutely right around that. The, the just transition is, is something that we really need to think carefully about because there will be sectors that need to reduce uh, as we move forward. You know, not London isn't particularly replete in some of those, you know, sort of direct fossil fuel industries and stuff like that, but it's absolutely important that that we support communities through this. I think the just transition piece is around, particularly around the green recovery actually, and how we support and build low carbon and, and green sectors to thrive going forward and to, and to help workers to transition uh, where where they need to from sectors that are, are reducing over the coming decades. I think the consumption emissions piece is is so interesting, isn't it? Because it's from a council's perspective, it, you know, although clearly they have their own procurement and stuff like that, it's important that they get that right. But in the grand scheme of things, that's relatively small. So what they really want to do is work with their residents to help them reduce the emissions that that they're responsible for, and they have relatively limited kind of direct levers over that. So I think some of the things that councils can do around around consumption emissions are are around that kind of enabling environment that I mentioned. So yes, around transport and housing. So to give an example, you know, if people are retrofitting their homes to try and reduce the kind of energy uh, energy intensity of them to to make them more energy efficient, actually understanding where you can. Go to get a, a reputable, you know, high quality supplier, tradesman, and um, councils can have a role in helping people to access that and to understand and to have trust in what's available, as well as, of course, supporting their own social housing to to be more efficient. So that's kind of one aspect of kind of consumption emissions, but perhaps we also think about the emissions embedded in in what we buy, slightly more transiently than than homes. So things like textiles and electronics. So I know that some councils, I know Hackney, but no doubt also others have been involved with restart workshops and repairing electronics and actually helping things to become, have a longer life. So you don't need to go out and buy stuff, which is good for good for residents. You know, we don't have to spend money, extra money on things that perhaps people are maybe struggling to afford perhaps particularly now um, but also so that we can you know stop throwing stuff away if we don't want to or we don't need to and and again i think councils through their kind of place shaping role and their role with kind of local retail and local businesses can really help to provide services like repair and also to provide potentially spaces where communities can kind of come together not so that councils can do it for them but so they can actually provide the space and you know a little bit of seed funding to help that happen in a way that works for the community
1: so you mentioned, um, Hackney as an example there. Are there any others that you've seen, like any other, other boroughs that you've seen recently that are doing some really interesting work around circular economy? How are they, how are they incorporating that into their initiatives and their, and their work around the recovery?
2: Yeah. In, in a number of ways. And, and I think it, it's fair to say, and, I uh, think, you know, we've talked about this before that, that circular economy is sometimes something that boroughs have struggled to work out where that fits for them. And so I think climate change and thinking about it in terms of consumption emissions actually is is helping with that. So, I know that, for example, Merton Council are introducing, and it's not just Merton actually, a, a library of things. So I, I'm sure some people are familiar with it. I, I know that you guys are, but, you know, a space where local people can come and rent things that they need, like a lawnmower or a hammer or um, other things that they, you know, they don't actually need to kind of buy and invest in. It's just going to sit around, but which they need to use and they want to get easily and locally. So that can be really, really helpful and I, off the top of my head, I think there are four or five five. Five councils who are thinking about that. I think Hackney is one of them, actually, but also Merton uh, and places like Harrow. I think some of the other things that that, the councils are doing. So, for example, I know that uh, Tower Hamlets are thinking about circular economy in relation to their built environment. So, of course, councils have a really important role as local planning authorities in approving. What should be built and where, in accordance with their own local plan, and, and in our case the London plan, and of course national planning policy as well. So the the London the London plan has introduced a requirement for a circular economy statement for major developments, but some councils are thinking about whether that could be a localised requirement. So I think again, Merton, Lambeth, Tower Hamlets are all thinking about um, how they introduce kind of circular economy thinking into the specifications for new buildings. Do they? has to be built to a standard that can be perhaps refurbished or reused. What about the the materials that they use? Um, What about what happens at that building of end of life and whether it's built for deconstruction rather than just straight kind of demolition? there's really a variety of things that they can do around the specifications in planning. And, and I would say that, you know, that's not just about planning, because uh, I know that colleagues in planning will also say, well, actually, it's also around building control. And it's not just what you kind of put on paper, but what you what you kind of check out and support developers to make sure that 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 actually is put in place. So it's quite a, complex one that and it's also about working with developers of course some some of whom are great some who i would say are going on a journey around this and but there's lots of innovation coming from from developers themselves which councils are obviously keen to um to kind of harness and work with is
0: it is it worth flagging up harrow at this point are we able to talk about harrow
2: yeah, I think we can talk about Harrah. So to backtrack a little bit for listeners, so London Councils, which is which is all the boroughs, or the first two boroughs and, and the City of London, I should say more accurately, agreed a, a joint statement on climate change. Ooh, a bit more than a year ago now, and that set out kind of seven areas where boroughs said we really need to work together on this stuff, um because you know it's really difficult to achieve uh, some of these big big ambitions on on our own. And one of those was on consumption emissions. So they committed to reduce, or they committed to work towards reducing uh, consumption emissions in London by two-thirds by 2030, which is hugely ambitious and very impressive uh, and was based uh, on on a piece of work that Arup did, not specifically for London, I might add, but that's where the initial targets come from. As London councils, you know, we have I think an important role in helping and supporting boroughs but when it comes to really starting to deliver the action plans that have been put together for these seven programs we've only wanted to put boroughs in charge of that because they're you know getting the engine and, and expertise of a borough behind one of these is was to us was really important and I'm, we're fantastically pleased that nine boroughs have come forward to lead or jointly lead those programs and Harrow is leading the consumption emissions program which I know that they're, they're really excited about and I've had a whole host of meetings with them in the last couple of weeks thinking about how they're going to do that. I think one of the things that they they're really keen to do and the, the flavor that they're going to bring to it is firstly they absolutely recognize that this is a, a convening role for them. So they want to uh, not to lead and do all the work by any means, but to bring together other boroughs and other partners, other businesses, you know, yourselves at L Warb and others probably who we don't know of yet to say what the contribution that we can collectively make to this work on consumption emissions and behaviour change and how do we understand that and do we understand it and are we talking to the right communities and because councils by no means know everything and they don't generally pretend to so but how can we make sure we understand and are listening and they're really keen also to kind of sandbox some approaches and say what really works what can we help to scale up we absolutely don't want to implement it on communities know, this programme will only work when it's done with. And by communities not kind of to them at all so they're, they're really keen to seek that stuff out and things like restart projects and repair workshops but a whole host of other things
1: to bring that alive it's a really good strong point about working with communities and not applying things to communities so it's a big year for the planet COP26 coming up in November I saw John Kerry recently describe it as our last best chance so in the lead up to COP and then for the year following COP what, what are the really big
2: priorities do you think where should we be focusing local government efforts sure it's a it's a really really good question and and there's a lot of a lot of discussion about the what i've started to refer to or seen referred to as the roadmap to the COP? I think the first thing to say is that whilst the COP is important for us in local government, because it sheds a a spotlight on the UK and because the UK has put itself in this global leadership role, which is really exciting, and means that it has to show that global leadership. It has to show how it's working with colleagues and partners across the UK, including, of course, its local government sector. But I think in some ways, the really important targets for local government this year are the spending review that will come up in November. So we're looking towards a comprehensive spending review which will set our spending hopefully for the coming 3 years and although this is absolutely not just a conversation about local government needing money from government it is the case that particularly after covid in london boroughs are facing a 600 million pound shortfall going into this this calendar year. So it is absolutely the case that we, you know, we need support to do this work, which will help the government reach its statutory 2050 net zero target. So there's that, and there's also the net zero strategy that's, I think, coming out in the middle of the year. I think the net zero strategy, one of the things we really want to see, and one of the things I think local government should be focusing on is encouraging government to use that strategy to set out what it thinks the role of local government is, because it's not particularly clearly defined at the moment and you know boroughs in in london have uh 20 eight boroughs now have passed a climate emergency declaration and uh, 21 of them have published climate action plans and they've got all sorts of targets for for reaching net zero in really very ambitious timelines. And those are all voluntary targets. They, Of course, they contribute to the the national target, but there's no kind of, in a sense, there's no kind of formal uh, certainly no legal recognition of that. So I think, you know, government needs to say what is the role we think the local government sector can play? And and I hope that they will uh, agree with us that a locally led approach is critically important because Local government knows its communities best. knows the people who live here, what they need, what they've been through. You know the what local business community looks like, the natural assets that an area has, all that stuff. Better, quite naturally, than national government can know any individual area. But I'm conscious that you didn't ask about those two things. You asked about the COP. So yeah, that provides that big, big spotlight. And what I really hope that as London we can do is to set out a really exciting kind of vision around the role that London has as the UK's capital to be a leader in climate and certainly you know we see ourselves as as a global city but also you know as, as a critical part of the uk and with working with our our friends and partners in other cities and regions so we want to set out a really a really exciting and you know coming after you know the the grim year that we've had, a kind of compelling vision for how we can kind of move forward in a more green way. And we want to use the COP to kind of highlight and showcase that vision. And and as part of that, some of the fantastic work that we've been talking about, the individual boroughs and other partners in London doing. And then, you know, the nitty gritty of that will, will slightly be a really compelling set of offers and asks. So what can we do as part of this? What is London's role? What particular industries and expertise do we have that we can bring to bear? But what do we need? You know, what do we need from government to do that? Yes, funding, but also policy. Um, what do we need from our businesses? I'm really happy to know from a recent survey we did with the London Chamber of Commerce called Business 1000 that, you know, businesses absolutely agree that they have a really important role to play and that, that's across all sort of sizes and sectors of business. So that's great. So what do we need them to do and how do we want to work with them and how can we support? businesses in london and of course you know what's the role of communities how can we empower and enable them to take action so it has to be that kind of an encompassing vision and then yeah absolutely calling on on our partners to help support us to help shape that and to deliver it
1: And so that connection between central government and local government around COP and and policy and planning, this is, sorry, this is slightly off piece, but what's the, you know, the 10 point plan is there, has there been an involvement from local government in that, or is there a, is there some kind of two way thing going on there? Or is it just, is that just a central government plan that's not been consulted on?
2: That is a very good question. Um, So sadly, I think for all concerned, I have not been invited myself to a meeting number 10 about that. There is definitely scope for greater local government involvement in what is a critical part of the prime. It is the Prime Minister's Ten Point Plan. It is a critical part of their um, how they their vision for this. And what I th- my kind of impression from what I've seen is that, they, as you say, the Prime Minister himself is very excited by that um, and by the positive ambition and innovation and, and expertise that the UK has to bring to bear, which is you know absolutely right. You know things like, for example, I think committed to six hundred thousand heat pumps by twenty thirty or some such thing, um, which is great. And we need a lot of heat pumps in London, but then the question I have is that's great what how does that happen? How do we harness the uh, you know the ambition of yes developers but also local councils to uh, install and deliver those heat pumps particularly for those who need them most and how do we integrate that into a kind of a long term retrofit agenda that enables people to pay for them where they can but not through the roof that enables more vulnerable um, residents to get them where they need them and that enables us to make sure that they are getting into new homes very soon so that we're not having to retrofit stuff in the future so I think it's that it's that kind of okay how do we do this question that we really need to engage with government on and where we COVID has demonstrated in in a broad sense that uh, locally led delivery is important and local councils can be I mean firstly absolutely above and beyond to deliver for their communities but they also know their communities and they're they're good at organisation and delivery locally and so we want to work with the government to to make that work and to make their plans work.
0: I agree with you that I think that there's nothing that you could argue with on the 10 point plan everything on that looks you know Mm. looks really interesting and definitely necessary however it doesn't mention consumption and as a city you know made up of Mm. people who buy stuff from the rest of the world you know predominantly the global north buying stuff from the global south so all those carbon emissions being made in the global south and we also know you know from work that um, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and others have carried out how just changing the electricity mix making it more renewable is not going to address some of those really high energy intensive things that you need to do to create for example steel or to grow food therefore we need to think about our consumption it doesn't seem to address that and that that seems to me to be a particular place where cities, especially big global cities, can play their part.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it's around transport and energy and technology, b- very broadly speaking. In some ways, in some ways, that is the easier stuff because you can kind of <laughs> say we need these kind of big things. Um, mm. and I'm sure it won't be easy, but, you know, easier mm. than those things that are trickier and involve more stakeholders and don't have simple and easy answers, but do have some really exciting co-benefits. It's not, you know, it's not we're just we're doing this stuff because we have to, you know, reducing consumption emissions has a whole host of exciting benefits for, you know, businesses that work in a more circular way. Yeah. Uh, and we have lots of those, including the ones that Elwarp Warp works with in London. So that is not as high up the, the kind of government agenda as it needs to be. And I guess we have a role in saying, this is what we think we need from you to help, do that, and this is what we think we can do around that. Because actually, I think you know, as you say, the cities have a role in leading that. And in some cases, we don't need you know extra government support for that, but we uh, we need to to take that leadership role. I think slightly separately, the other thing that from recollection is not so clear in the ten point plan um, is all the work we need to do around climate adaptation. So we, we're just talking about mitigation, but of course, you know, adaptation is a really is a thing we need to start doing now really Uh, and again that he has huge co-benefits including huge kind of financial co-benefits so that's also something that we that we really need to think about urgently
0: yeah, I agreed. Yeah. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I, and I started to think about systemic change to the, you know, the economic system as an adaptation. I think that's probably stretching it a bit far, but in a way, maybe it isn't because the, the, the 21st century economy has to change. It cannot be like the 20th century economy. So maybe, maybe in a way it is an adaptation. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And, and maybe an evolution. Um, An evolution. Yeah. I, def- yeah. I definitely think that, and I like just going back to our joint statement. Actually, there's a, some wording in there around the fact that we recognise we will have to transition to, I can't remember if we said a low or a zero carbon economy within mm. a generation or less. Now, really, mm. that's huge. That's huge. And although I think I really think that over the last kind of year, I've seen the the level of sophistication, in the discussions that I've been involved with around what needs to be done you know, people know a huge amount more about what needs to be done in the government. I think they did last year, and that's completely understandable, but it also kind of bodes well for trying to understand the kind of scale of the change we are talking about. And I think, you know, elected members who have, particularly at the moment, you know, just a huge amount of things to worry about and some really vulnerable people who need their help now to deal with all sorts of really tragic and difficult things related to COVID. They're really starting to get their heads around this as well and really bringing real leadership to the issue.
1: So just to talk from a more personal perspective, what you are personally like to see happening in 2021 and over the next few years. And if there's anything right now, given what a dreadful year we've been living through, what's giving you cause for hope right now?
2: I think in terms of aspirations... You know i really and it, it's kind of slightly intangible in some ways but i'd really like to see government really engaging and saying we see local government as a key partner and kind of making that real and personally a sort of a personal aspiration is to be in a place where i feel like i can give and and boroughs have confidence um and that's partly through the work we do on kind of data and coordination and governance and all the rest but but just seeing them you know, really be confident in what they can do and how they can do it and and that they can bring citizens with them and really demonstrate the co-benefits and that. I think particularly coming out of the last year, just a renewed sense of the importance of their their role working with communities to do that. And then I think for myself, what gives me cause for hope, I think it is that piece around it's boroughs. It is though, because I work with so many people day in day out who have big and important jobs doing lots of other things, and who also are bringing great work on kind of climate change and carbon emissions into their councils. And in the midst of everything, I just I just hugely respect that because they're also dealing with just all sorts of other kind of to day things that need to be responded to and and residents who have other you know pressing challenges so that's good and 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 to be honest the other thing is the days are getting longer uh and as i look out my window the sky is still blue at this time of day and 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 truthfully Mm. that does make me feel quite good i can feel summer (laughs) is going to be on the horizon somewhere and yeah after this winter that will be very very welcome
1: definitely yeah, it's the little, I, I've got bulbs coming up in my front garden.
0: I think we should point so. out that we're all doing this last thing on a Friday at the <laughs> end of January. So um, uh, yeah, so yeah. kudos, I think, to Kate and kudos to, oh, kudos to us all, I think.
2: Kudos to us all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Definitely. Hey, I do agree with you though, Kate. I, um, I do find it, it kind of puts things into perspective when you speak to elected members and people about the job that they do. And, you know, a big city like London, sometimes it's easy to get lost, you know, in the, in the bigness of it all. Mm. But when you speak to local members and, uh, and officers who deal with, uh, citizens on a daily basis, it kind of brings it right back down to the personal and the street and the community level. So it's a really, it's really grounding.
2: Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we covered quite a lot of ground there with Kate. I took out of it a few things. One is that local government is about creating an enabling environment for businesses, for citizens. Kate did say at one point there are limited direct levers for getting citizens to play their part. So it means that we have to be quite creative and engaging and work with the community to do that. So how do you get citizens to engage with the need for you know tackling these things? And how do you help them?
0: I think we have to create an enabling environment. That's the way we do it. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But just to be clear, this is going to be a partnership of business, of citizens and of government. All of those three sections are going to have to play their part, and if one section, you know, is is playing too much of a part, and the other one's lagging behind, this says this isn't going to work, and there's going to be there's going to be trouble. So what I mean by that is, if we don't change our behaviour, then our behaviour will be it will be statu- made statutory. You must behave this way, and if that doesn't happen, then we're all toast, aren't we? You know, this is this is important. It's existential. So something's got to happen. And so, and we've all got to play our part. So that's the first thing. So what can we do to allow citizens to play their part? And I think that is to create an enabling environment. And the way that we do that at the London Waste and Recycling Board and in London as a whole is to provide access to services and tools and products that businesses are creating as a response to, to climate change creating those business models that allow users and citizens to reduce their consumption. And often, as we've said before on this podcast, often, you know, surprisingly often, the services that are being presented are better than the linear economy equivalents. They're longer lasting or they're just more convenient or they're easier to use and access Like, you know, for example, streaming music, you know, buying a better quality frying pan. You know, they're they're all kind of circular economy things. So we create an enabling environment by supporting, promoting and enabling businesses to provide services. Crucially, it really is a partnership between citizens, local authorities and business. And and so we all have to play our part.
1: Yeah, I'm just intrigued by this idea that if... You know, if you work in a council and you have some kind of climate change ambitions, some of the only other stuff that you can do is communications and campaign work. And so I think about things like our repair week last year, some of the work that we do through our London Recycles and our Love Not Landfill campaigns around kind of creating more awareness and understanding of the issues. And there are so many London councils who are doing some fantastic stuff in terms of citizen engagement and community group engagement already.
0: There are quite a lot of players in the in the behaviour change space Certainly in, in the waste and resources space, you know, you've got national government don't seem to do that much actually, but you've got, you've got RAP, you've got, you've got us at the city level, uh, waste disposal authorities who cover, you know, sub regions and then there's the boroughs themselves. So making sure there's no duplication or at least we're on the same page and pushing the same messages and being consistent is really, is really important because otherwise it's a, it's a mess and, and you know, citizens get conflicting or different messages.
1: And then one of the other areas that Kate was touching on was around planning. So the fact that there's a circular economy statement requirement at City Hall for referable projects uh, in the built environment space. So con- big construction and development projects need to be referred to City Hall for approval and they need to have a circular economy statement as part of that process. And was I was interested to see today in the news that Gateshead are developing a, a few homes which are entirely run on hydrogen. So there's clearly scope for piloting and looking at ways of doing that in an innovative way at a local level. I don't know how much progress we're making on that locally here in London at the moment, but it's clearly something that needs to happen.
0: I think the circular economy statements are probably a world first. You know, we could really do a lot more if that was adopted or a flavour of that was adopted at local level. Absolutely.
1: And then the other big thing that that Kate seemed to be saying was just how important it is to, to make those connections between national and local government. So it was really interesting that she said that there's you know, the 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 government's ten point plan and the government's targets around net zero, etc., that councils at a local level are making voluntary commitments and setting voluntary targets around these things and that there's no hardwired connection between government targets and those local government ones, those those local ones at the moment. I'm not certain that she would necessarily be arguing in favour of more hardwired connections. I'm sure she wouldn't. But there does seem to be more of a connection to be made between the local and the national in that respect, isn't there?
0: That's an example of cities just pressing on with what needs to be done and not waiting for governments to legislate you know so if governments legislate in the wake of cities that's fine so long as cities are pushing forward i quite like that analogy actually or that image you know cities kind of clearing the way leading Doing by example and then showing governments what, you know, what good practices so they can legislate for it. And then everybody else joins in. I mean, L- London is very much like that in a lot of ways. And we've been at the forefront of a lot of stuff at UK anyway, in terms of innovating, supporting businesses, applying innovative planning policies. So, you know, there's London has a history of being at the forefront of these kinds of things, which is great. You know, so, and that's local government innovating ahead of national government.
1: Absolutely. And the last thing that I would say about what I just heard from Kate was, you know, how she's clearly inspired by what boroughs are doing, but feels strongly that, you know, they need the resources and the confidence to be able to keep doing it and doing it better. And I would echo that. I think they are they are doing a fabulous job in difficult circumstances.
0: The role of us, I think, often is to is to see what good practice is and to help disseminate good practice so that London boroughs don't have to learn from their own mistakes they can learn from others mistakes so that we if we fail we fail small and we scale up success big that's that's really what we want to try and inculcate i mean we're working with harrow harrow are leading on the consumption based emissions part of the lead tech statements that's a great opportunity to work both locally with a london borough in the west of london and they've put together a working group with west london waste authority and they're contract to Suez. So there's a start of a really good sub-regional grouping who can take a lead on reducing consumption based emissions. I find that ex- you know I find that really exciting. It has the potential to be a replicable model that we could stamp over London and we move away from just talking about important though it is about increasing recycling or or managing waste in a sustainable way and we start talking about not producing it in the first place. And we really start talking about that seriously. This is a, an exciting opportunity for us to really start to deliver this. I mean, if we can do this on a, a city the size of London can do this, that would be amazing an incredible achievement. So, uh, you know, I'm excited that we had Cake to speak to and I'm very excited that we're going to be part of something really world-leading, I think, in terms of addressing consumption emissions.
1: Fantastic. So there's a call out there for anybody uh, who's listening who's in a, a London borough who's got something that they'd like to share. Um, whether that's a, a small failure or a big success, then we'd love to hear from you. Okay, doke. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next time. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, give us a share, subscribe um, and you can find out more about what we do on our Twitter, which is at LWARB at LWARB or on LinkedIn, which is just the London Waste and Recycling Board. Thanks for joining and Speak to you soon.